to unpack back-to-back episodes of exclusive content. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Darren Millard. Proud to say that I survived my first go-around Attendee Fest. And a big thank you and congratulations to the team at the Hockey Shop, Sorcerer Sports Surrey, and thehockeyshop.com for a fabulous few hours at eight rinks. When I first got there, I thought, how is this ever going to happen in, in four or five hours? And, and somehow it occurred. Uh, let's bring in the co-founders of InGoal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. And uh, that was my first experience of Tandy Fest. You guys have been there a few times. How did 2019 uh, rate compared to previous years, Hutch? Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Boy, did that day go by fast. Uh, I was amazed as we rolled up there as early as we were pretty much allowed to get in the building to set up, and there was a lineup of goaltenders waiting to grab some gear and get on the ice. So it was a fantastic day. Uh, definitely could see how the extra sheet of ice made a huge difference. Uh, not quite the same sort of lineups. I spoke to a few young folks who tried out five, six different pieces of equipment in the various sessions, so I think it was a, a real hit from that perspective and from our own. Wasn't it fantastic to uh, talk to listeners of the podcast? Um, amazing to to really finally connect one on one, even though we saw this as a way of of uh, reconnecting with people. So fantastic day for me on all fronts. How about you guys? Yeah, I think for me it was uh, all about the two sheets, um, adding an extra sheet of ice, and to me that's all about the hockey shop. Always trying to take it to another level, uh, and we had guys telling us that it was like a five minute wait to get on the ice. And in past years, we've seen them lined up for, you know, a lot longer than that, close to half an hour. And so that gave goalies the opportunities. You said Hutch to try multiple sets of gear without stress. Um, and yet we still managed to draw a crowd when we did the live podcast. So they, uh, they got them off the ice in time to listen to us yak for a while at the end. <laughs> so let people uh, know, we, we have uh, some pictures up on the social, uh, the postings on, on InGoal, uh, but there's uh, an indoor soccer field where there was uh, manufacturers like Bauer and CCM, Vaughn was there, uh, Warrior was there, Brian's was there, the hockey shop uh, had had a great setup there, and people were just coming and going, trying on skates and pads and gloves, and then they would go over to a couple of sheets of ice at this facility in uh, Canlan and, and uh, Burnaby, uh, eight rinks in Burnaby, and and test it out. It was it was a pretty smooth operation. It was, and you know what I thought was just fantastic was there were a lot of people there that weren't even there to try out the gear, uh, just happy to soak in the atmosphere. We're there right from the beginning, right through to the end, um, sitting front row in the podcast and chatting with us. Uh, I was amazed how many people I actually spoke to who didn't bring gear and just wanted to be part of something you know, part of the goalie union. So what a day. And we had the uh, the great in-goal set up uh, as well, uh, a booth, and there was backup goalie towels. Hutch, great job on that. Woody, uh, right, congratulations. Woody. Some stickers uh, as well, and uh, some sticks and some uh, different uh, paraphernalia. So uh, in-goal, well-represented. And then we got the chance to uh, step onto the stage, which I, I don't think has happened in the past, where... Uh, we stepped in and did the a live podcast, which what we're going is what we're going to share with uh, everybody today. Uh, the different interviews that we had a chance to do, and that kind of uh, helped uh, bridge the gap. And one of the people that just happened to 
to show up. But we were, we knew we were going to to talk to the Bauer guys and and talk to Alex Ald uh, from CCM, who will bring you next week. Uh, but Tristan Jari is an accomplished uh, major junior product and now part of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, works with Andy Kyoto uh, in the Penguins. And Tristan Jari wears Vaughn, and he he's a low, lower mainline guy and just made an appearance, didn't know he was coming. So Vaughn uh, allowed him to uh, to join us, and he hung out with, with us as his good buddy Derek Pouliot, Canuck defenseman, sat in the crowd. Now, that, that was a little different, Woody. For you to have Pouliot watching you, where normally you're interviewing him or hanging around talking to Canuck players. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. It's uh, being on stage was like for you, no problem, Darren, right? Like used to bright lights and big crowds. Me, uh, I was a little more nervous, like talking to you guys on the podcast, doing my radio hits, um, you know, in different cities during the week. No big deal. I don't see anybody. But actually being there with an audience is a little more nerve wracking. And when that audience includes an NHL player like Derek Pouliot, uh, who obviously I know a little bit, but not won't pretend well at all, but from the Canucks media uh, side of things, uh, covering the Canucks and being in the locker room. And he obviously played two years in Wilkes-Barre with, uh, with Tristan Jari, having him be part of that audience as you're doing the interview, it's uh, that much more nerve wracking. So yeah, you felt like, felt like maybe a, a fraction, a tiny, tiny fraction of what it must be like to play for, to play in front of an audience. I thought you were going to say do a concert or or, or be a musician <laughs> and up there uh, owning an arena. Well, it was an indoor soccer facility, so it's you got to start somewhere. Uh, we're going to bring you a lot of the content from Tendy Fest 2019. Mark Dekinich will join us in just a little bit. We'll also have uh, the representatives from Bauer and their goalie line on this episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast. But we start off with Tristan Jari, and this conversation spans... Everything from the gear that he uses, and we had to help him out a little bit on that, to uh, to what he does when he uh, when he faces the likes of Sidney Crosby and uh, Gino, uh, Jenny Malkin, and then there's also going for the goal. Here's Tristan Jari on In Goal Radio, the podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, direct your attention towards the stage. We're going to give you a brief glimpse inside of what to expect. At 1.30 with the In Goal Radio podcast, a, a live taping. Uh, I'm Darren Millard, along with Kevin Woodley, co-founder of In Goal Magazine. And we are pleased to uh, welcome up to the stage Tristan Jari, former Edmonton Oil King, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin, and Pittsburgh Penguin, uh, to, who's joined us uh, today. Just, you're younger than us, so you've experienced the evolution of the goaltending uh, climate recently. What do you think of this and, and Tendy Fest? Yeah, it's great. I've never had this growing up, being able to see all the different types of gear and having the opportunity to wear whatever you want at any point. I think it's great. Growing up, all we had was being able to go to the store and basically pick what you'd like to wear. Have you always worn the year of Vaughn? Have you always worn Vaughn? I switched over to Bauer for a couple of years, and then when I started playing junior hockey and pro hockey, I switched back to Vaughn. And your setup right now, what is it? <laughs> I, was more, I was born, he might not know. That's a I didn't share question. that. I think I wear the Ventus pads with an older Vaughn chest protector. And mask? I wear a pro-choice mask, Vaughn. And who, uh, who does your painting and what's on it? Uh, Jason Bartozak, and then I have Tom and Jerry on my helmet. And that's been a while, right? Yeah, I've had Tom and Jerry on for 
probably almost 10 years now. I guess low-key one of the best masks in the league, and I think Jason might be one of the most overlooked or like underrated mask painters in the league. I'm surprised we don't see more guys. You've had him since the WHL, right? Yeah, I started with him when I was 16 years old, and he's done such a great job for me that I've kept going back, and he always comes up with something great every year. Nice. Why did you pick the position, or did it pick you? I... I think it all started back in minor hockey. The, we had a rotation throughout the team, and my dad was the manager, and he always happened to have the goalie gear. So we had hockey camps and goalie camps in our initiation. So I always wanted to skate and have extra ice. So having the opportunity with the goalie gear, I just went out with that. Did you fall in love with it at first, or was it a gradual progression? I think it was more of a gradual progression. I I like skating and I liked being able to be with the players and score goals. But I think as I grew up playing spring hockey, it was a lot more fun and a lot more interesting for me. Would you consider yourself a normal goalie or a goalie? Hopefully a normal goalie. <laughs> we should ask one of your former teammates watching from the back slightly. Is he, is he normal? For the most part, that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> when did you become full-time? Like, when did goaltending become the thing and you couldn't... How long did you play out for as well? Uh, probably till my first or second year of Peewee is when I stopped switching between goalie and player, mostly in spring hockey. I always played spring hockey as a goalie, and then I played my minor hockey as a forward. So that's, I mean... You know, this day and age, there's parents listening whose kids are sort of sometimes forced to make a decision as young as eight and nine. You're still playing forward into, I don't have kids in hockey, so Pee Wee's what, 12, 13 in that range? Yeah, I think it was 11 or 12 when okay, I switched so over full time. Where's the value? Like, as a goaltender now at the highest level, how much did playing forward for that much luck? Did you feel that benefited you reading the game, getting to a feel for the game as a goalie playing out for that long? Yeah, I think it was just something I enjoyed. I love playing both positions, and I think that my parents were able to give me the opportunity to play both positions. So it was something that I did for as long as I could. And then when it came to the point where I had to make the decision, it was my parents let me choose either or. They never forced me into one or the other. And I think that was something I'll always be able to benefit from being able to skate like I do. And the things that I'm able to see is a goalie. I think I get that from when I was playing a player. So that, would you list that as one of your strengths, the mobility? And I've talked to some of your goalie coaches over the years about that ability to be a re real mobile, active, good skater. Where, where does that rank uh, on the skill set list of what's important for you? I think it's huge. I think being able to skate is a big part of the game and being able to get yourself out of positions that you might get caught in. Like you're never able to know what you're going to be able to be in or the positions that you get stuck in sometimes so i think that always helps have you seen it become more important as the game's gotten more dynamic offensively at the highest levels for you in the ahl and in the national hockey league yeah the game's fast people are getting faster and stronger every day and the game moves so fast that sometimes that you're a little behind so i think skating is always a strength and something that always helps you put yourself one step closer to making that next movement or that next save what about puck handling Puck handling is something I've always enjoyed growing up. is something that I've taken a part of my game, and it's something that I think helps a lot. It helps when your players are going back and they're, they don't always see what you see because you're 
focusing on the whole ice and you're seeing what's up ice. And I think that helps them when they're coming back, when they have their back turned and you're able to help them and decide for them what they're going to do. What's the key to taking a puck off uh, of a rim around and being able to stop that thing? So many people have it just slip by off the edge of the stick and, and you pros seem to be able to just stop it right there and, and make that little pass. I think it's just getting out there and making sure that you know what you're going to do before you get the puck. I think that's always a big thing is you can't have that hesitation or that doubt whether you're going to be able to stop it and if you do stop it, what you're going to do with it. So I think just knowing what you're going to do before you get out there and before you handle the puck. Have you had a chance to score? I actually scored this year, yes. Did you? Yeah. I missed that then. Were you looking for it? Have you had the shot before? And like, how did it come about? Uh, I've been looking for it for a while. Ever since Look at the smile yeah. on your face. Like you're... Ever since I've been playing pro hockey, I've tried it. So it's How many shots have you taken? This year I took five, I think. Five empty net yeah. shots. I got two. I sc scored one in the first game of the season, and then I got called off because we got a penalty. And then... The second one I scored in Springfield. Wow. Where's the puck? Uh, in a glass case. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that as good as your first win puck? Or I don't, I don't think so. It's pretty I th cool. I, I think the first win will always be one yeah. of the coolest things. Uh, what, what was a bigger adjustment? Going from uh, minor midget to junior or junior to pro? I think junior to pro. There's so much of an age difference and a body composition difference between playing junior hockey and going to pro, where you have guys that are 16 to 20 years old in junior hockey, and then going from pro, you have anywhere from 18 to 40 years old. You're playing with men, and they all know how to shoot, and they're all tough, and they all have the strength. So I think that was the biggest change for me. What about influence from a goalie coach standpoint? Who are some of the guys? I know there's there's a few even in this room that you worked with growing up. Who are some of the the bigger influences on your career as a young guy, and then going up through junior and now into pro? Yeah, starting my hockey, Angelo Maggio with Magic in the Net. He was always there, and he helped in our minor hockey, and that was one of the things that got me starting playing goalie. Him and Angelo and Donnie coming out, and I think it was once a week on. Tuesday or Wednesday and that was what got me wanting to play goalie it was fun and it was always something that challenged me and I loved to be challenged as a kid growing up and then I worked him with him for probably 10 to 15 years after that and it was something that I'll always be grateful and that's where I get all my skating from so you're making him blush over there I didn't think that was possible. So then you go into junior, and who's your coach with the Oil Kings? Is that Dusty Schwartz at that point? Yeah, I had Dustin Schwartz in junior hockey, and now with the Edmonton Oilers, and I think that was a great thing. He was never somebody that pushed me that you had to play a certain way or do something a certain way. Every person's different, and every person has that their own feel to their game, so I think that always helped. And then in with the Penguins, was it... Buckley last or Buckley Mike Buckley a couple of years ago and like how does the message change? Are they trying to change your game as you become a pro, or are they just trying to reinforce what you do well? How does the evolution of goaltending coaches for you follow your evolution as a goaltender? I think it's just about 
learning the game and being able to adjust to what you see during the game. The, the game's always changing, like you see in the past 10 to 15 years, even the last five years, how much has changed and how well younger kids are moving and even all the older guys have to catch up at some point. So I think it's something that you're always learning and you're always trying new things and you have to find what works for you and what is able to give you success. Game day routine. What's what's that like for you uh, when you get to the rink after the morning skate? So you're back. Uh, how do you process and get ready for a, a game that you're starting? Uh, I usually skate in the morning, so I'll get to the rink about 8 in the morning, and then we'll skate at 9.30 or 10, depending if you're the home or the away team. And then you eat lunch or your dinner right after your skate, which is about 11 or 12, and that'll last you till your game, and then you'll have a, you'll have a nap. I usually nap for around two hours. And then I'll wake up, have a snack, and I'll head to the rink and start my routine. And what's that routine? A uh, little bit of visualization and then warming up. and Visualization. What? Take me through what that thought process is. Just seeing myself making saves, making sure that I'm focused and my eyes are wide. I'm making sure that I can see the puck and I'm seeing things hit me. I'm making sure that I'm as confident as I need to be. And I think that's... A big thing is you're by yourself quite a bit during the game, so you need to make sure your thoughts are all in line and making sure that you could see yourself being successful and as confident as what you need for the game. And then you get ready, you get dressed? Yes, I get dressed and I'll hydrate a lot. I think that's a big thing. Like We're all supplied by BioSteel, so we all have a lot of BioSteel in our room and that usually gets us through the game. Rituals, superstitions, do you have any? I can't say I do. I just get dressed and then go out there. You are normal. I hope so. Go ahead. I was just going to say warm-ups. So you got like a lot of parents, young goalies here, a lot of beer leaguers out here trying. What do you want as a goaltender in warm-ups at the highest level? I think the rest of us amateurs have to put up with a bunch of crap. Guys like going bar down, buzzing the tower. Do you have to put up with that in practice probably? How, how was that guy? How was Derek for warm-ups? Does he, uh, he buzz the tower all the time, bar down on you? Or are guys pretty good about respecting pre-game, getting you into your rhythm? Uh, I never really worried about that. I was somebody that always wanted to challenge the shooters. I always want them to... If they think they could score bar down, I want them to go bar down. That was something that I always had in my mindset. I've never gotten mad at somebody for shooting a spot that they thought they could score on. I think for me, that just improved my game and it helped me get better. I never decided that, hey, you can only shoot in this spot when I'm warming up. It was something that if he wants to try and score to make me better, I'm going to let him score so he could be better. Who would you rather face, Sid or Malkin, to win? Uh, both very different players. Malkin's more of a finesse player. He doesn't, and then he's got his hard slap shot. And Sid is a very accurate shooter. He's got a hard shot, and they're both very tough. I think it'd be hard to pick. But Sid's got that backhand too, right? They both do. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Tristan Jari, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. 
it's it's weird. It makes you feel old. But I knew Tristan when he was the backup to Laurent Bourgeois uh, in Edmonton, and now you've watched him come up. And uh, that wasn't that fascinating, Woody, uh, talking about Tristan going for the goal and how he took five different cracks at it this year. It, he scored the one, but uh, right out of the gate had that chance in game number one. And was it Dustin Tokarski who threw his stick and, and negated the goal? Yeah, he said it was Tokarski and, uh, that threw his stick and, and prevented him from scoring the first time. And as we kind of said to him, we were, we were talking informally after when going through this story. And, you know, uh, my question was, well, shouldn't it be an automatic goal then if the, if the goalie throws a stick? But at the same time, is, you know, is that how you want it to go? Right, that's kind of like the go- right. that's kind of like the goal we had the other week. I think it was uh, Legacy with uh, the Chicago Wolves, the uh, Vegas prospect, where he gets he gets credit for a goal in the American Hockey League playoffs, but just basically because the other team passed the puck into their own net and his save was the last touch by his team. You don't want it that way. You want to you want to fire the puck the length of the ice and have it go into the net. So after getting jobbed on his first one, Jari banged his second one in, and that's a pretty as much as he said first win in the NHL is a bigger deal. Um, scoring a goal is a far more exclusive club, and he's a member of it. And he also did the line, uh, the high fives along the bench. The team, the teammates made him do that. Right, so he that, showed us that, that picture that after. Cool. It was pretty. That was pretty cool to yeah. see that. Uh, he's made some progress here. Uh, a good friend of uh, of In Goal Magazine, Andy Kyoto, uh, is uh, is a big part of of what's going on with uh, with Tristan right now. Hutch. Yeah, uh, the developmental coach for. Um, the Penguins works with Tristan, and uh, we just happened to catch up with him the day after uh, Tendy Fest. And I hadn't been a part of that conversation that the two of you had with Tristan. Uh, so it was interesting just to sit in and listen to Kevin to talk to him. And uh, Kevin, you had something I thought pretty impressive to say just about him as uh, as a person and how giving he was in that interview. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the reality of professional athletes and their time is it's valuable. And sometimes as they get more established, um, they take that value. How can we say, I shouldn't say a little too seriously. Cause that, I don't mean it to be disrespectful, but they're protective. Um, yeah. And, uh, and understandably so, but yep. Tristan was supposed to be out of there by one o'clock. Um, and we didn't start the interview till 10 to one. We, we went at least what, five minutes after. And then, so I was worried about getting him out of there. Right. Cause he was supposed to be out by one and he's got Derek Pouliot, his buddy waiting in the crowd. And again, we'd run long and I was, you know, I was apologetic. He's like, don't worry. And then he sat there and just talked to us and, you know, talked to us about the goal, Darren, about the season, about things that had gone on, about the goalie coaches, um, you know, guys that he'd worked with in Vancouver that he mentioned in the podcast. And one guy he didn't get a chance to mention that we probably should is the guy he works in the off season with now here in Vancouver, Paul Fricker. So, you know, making sure that, that he's spreading the love around to the guys he works with and just generally being a nice guy and not at all in a rush to get out of there. Um, professional, courteous, polite, just all the things you want to hear as a goalie coach like Andy Kyoto when you call to see how it went with your guys. So uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure to pass along positive feedback because it was a pleasurable experience to get to talk to Tristan. I didn't know he was there, and I don't know whether it was Cam or Chad came over from uh, from the hockey shop and said, uh, Tristan Jari's here if you guys uh, have an opportunity to chat with him. And like he was just blending in with everybody else, chatting away, and there there was there was no um, uh, like aura of that's an NHL player. He was just a regular guy out there. And what what I thought was cool, uh, I don't know whether you guys saw it when uh, when he was leaving Tandy Fest, he had his mask and I think one pad there, uh, and 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 they were just walking out with with his equipment, just like 
again, like like anybody else. It was just it was just a, a cool little moment. And he does wear wear the Vaughn. And you just want to give us an idea of, of what he's wearing now? SLR two. Yeah, you? no, the the boys of okay. Vaughn wanted to make sure we knew that because uh, Tristan didn't. And this is how it goes. This isn't about him not being dialed into yeah. his equipment in any way, shape, or form. And we talked about this. You remember the first podcast we did, guys, with Sonia DiBiase? How this trend of young goalies not really knowing their gear is is something we're seeing more and more of. But in Tristan's case, it's not so much that he doesn't know his gear. It's that he's had it made a specific way for so many years that they just kind of continued to progress it with the new lines, but still sort of build his specs within it. And that's the case here where, you know, he doesn't necessarily know what the new line is. And officially it is the SLR2, but it's got his specs tied into that new line. So yes, despite the fact he could name it, he's in the latest Vaughn SLR2 line. Well, he... The only reason he's in the SR two line, SLR two line, is uh, is because they stopped making his his other line, right? Like he's he's just a comfortable guy, and basically whatever whatever works for him. Well, yeah, and um, yeah, he talked about again. He talked about that with us after the podcast as well, right? Yeah. Just informally and onto the side, and and we see that too, where um, guys get used to something, and the line evolves, and they evolve with it. Uh, Hotch, why weren't you uh, with us for that interview? Uh, stage fright. Totally. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, uh, just having a really good conversation with uh, some of the folks at Bauer uh, about uh, their customer experience uh, analysis, they, how they get feedback from their customers, how they get feedback from clients, and, and uh, frankly, to see if there's a way that uh, we can support them because we're in touch with all sorts of those folks. So just a, a really interesting conversation and one that's going to progress so that we can uh, I hope support each other in learning more about the goaltending community. Bauer had a massive uh, fleet of gear uh, on hand at Tenny Fest 2019, and the brand manager of goal, Spencer Freer, and Mark Jiniak, the category manager of goal at Bauer, also known as Spencer's boss, uh, took time out after they were done uh, twisting the ear and bending the ear of. Uh, of one David Hutchison stepped on stage and uh, decided to spend some time or subject themselves to some time with uh, with Woody and I. So here is Spencer and Mark from Bauer Hockey and Bauer Goal on the In Goal Radio podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back up at the In Goal Radio Podcast, which is uh, a live edition today at Tendy Fest. Uh, Darren Millard, along with Kevin Woodley, who's got the Andre Vasilevsky signed stick, and uh, here from Bauer, uh, Spencer and Mark, who have uh, a little bit of a road show that they do, yeah. dinners, sportsmen's dinners, uh, yeah. a lot of speaking engagements. You yeah. guys have a full act, right? Yeah, full schedule. You got to book in advance. Yeah, make sure uh, you get us on the on the okay, list. Which one's Spencer and which one's Mark? I'm Spencer. Yes. It's really hard to tell because yeah. we both have beards and nice hair. Yes. But I'm Mark. And the reason why I have a beard is because Mark told me I couldn't grow one. So I was like, I'm going to do it anyways. And it infuriated him. So I was, it's basically having a spite. Your jobs at Bauer. Yeah. So we are the brand managers. So basically, um, we work with the R&D team, work with the um, teams just about go through product development. Yep. And what's unique at Bauer is we're the goalie guys. So we handle everything from... Retail, we work with our pro reps, kind of oversee everything as well as experience tours like this. So it's really holistic within Bauer, everything goalie. The journey for Bauer and goal. When did 
because you guys have changed the way you build pads, the way you build uh, your equipment. When, how far along are we since you just took everything down to the wood? So we're going into the fourth iteration of what really was born as the Odin project. So it was uh, 2015, we started a kind of a concept car idea of if you took all the restrictions of a timeline, um, costing and everything involved in building goalie pads, what could you do and what would you do? And we came up with a new way of building a one-piece skin that we really worked with uh, Henrik Lundqvist on at the Sochi Olympics. So from there, we've worked to perfect it and make sure we keep that performance level, but enhance the durability and make a better pad that's great slidability, crazy rebound pop, and very lightweight. And when you guys started, though, the original concept was to kill a rebound. Exactly. And it was uh, Ilya Brizgalov who, uh, funny enough, saw the prototype concept and thought we were absolutely crazy. Um, when we started to work with Henrik Lundqvist on the next iteration, he started to see his rebounds were flying off his pads. And the shooters at practice were saying, hey, man, I can't pick up that second chance. I can't pick up that rebound. It's flying out of the zone instead of trying to kill it. So that's where we shifted gears and started to focus on rebound pop instead of trying to kill it. Were you worried at any point? I mean, when Ilya Brzezgalov calls you crazy, yeah. is that a point where you start to worry you're on the right track? That was around the same time the uh, the rails came off with Philly and the, the moon talk and everything going on. Yeah, so exactly. we were, we, it was a good shift to focus on Henrik Lundqvist. Something, though, that was pretty surprising was when we started to get the feedback from the goalie coaches. That's when we kind of knew we were really onto something because feedback from an NHL player is great, but they're NHL players and there are definitely better goalies than the majority of people. So when we started to get the feedback from goalie coaches that that's something you should be looking for is eliminating the second shot. It was when we knew we're like, oh, we're really onto it now. So how many people does it take before you guys transition from we want to kill a rebound to this is actually, we're, we're going down a path where this might be legit. Yeah. It was what really took off was when we started to work with younger OHL goalies. Um, so we started seeding all of them and getting their feedback as well. Like Spencer said, we want that top end, but then what's that second tier elite goalie saying? And every kid was coming off the ice saying the exact same thing. So that's when it took for us, it was, okay, let's pursue this and perfect it where we can. Um, but it was really the, those goalies. And then word of mouth, it kind of spread like wildfire of kids talking to each other. And uh, it was really the OHL goalies that helped us perfect that. Okay, I want to get into the sliding as well, but a quick message to everybody who's in attendance here. As we said, we are going to give away... Uh, an autographed Andre Vasilevsky stick. We've had a few people come by the Ingold booth and ask us how we're going to give it away. The only hint I'm going to give you is that you need to be in one of these seats. So for everybody that's kind of mingling around, maybe find one before they disappear. Um, that's that's, that's all I'll say for now. Packed house. That's that drowned yeah, the audience in a bit. Yeah, I heard you were coming. Slideability, though. So you're, you're, you're working in this sort of concept car environment. You're going to build a pad a different way. Um, the rebounds are active. Did the, was the sliding a natural byproduct, uh, the less friction, a natural byproduct of the materials we were using or something you consciously sought to achieve? Yeah, it was kind of an evolution from we wanted to make the goalie lighter to get side to side. So we use new materials instead of leather. But what they're telling us, yeah, it's great. I'm light, but I'm so much quicker because it's sliding better. There's no friction. So it was a, a big benefit. And it, the original brief was lightweight, crazy design. And the end result was rebound, pop and slideability which is really the benefit of working with the goalies and the feedback they gave us. And that process to get from there to, because there, I mean, you know, in the goalie world and the goalie community behind the scenes, we, we heard these rumblings that this was coming, but you don't just snap your fingers and rebuild no. how a product is designed and built and get it to market. How, how long did that take? I always like to say 
people think we're making muffins in the back when in reality there like there's a ton of development but it was an expedited process because they, we did the press release on Odin and there's so much hype of what is this and goalies were actually excited for a new innovation we had to speed things up almost um, cutting our timeline in half so it was very quick to market 2015 Henrik wore it uh, during the season and then we were launching April 2016 so pretty crazy took a couple of years off our lives oh yeah no Spenny got shingles I developed a twitch in my eye some other issues, but other issues. Uh, your goalie. So the people just think that's part exactly. of the fix. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah no. But that speed years. forced us to be on our game, collect feedback, and make each iteration since then even better. How involved is a guy like Henrik Lundqvist in the process, and how much? How what kind of interactions do you guys have with them? I think it's a balancing act. All of our pros have great feedback. Vasilevsky, Doobie, have you worked a lot with Kevin? So um, Henrik was huge off the start to get the thing off the ground. And then it was trying to build something that could still fit all goalies, not just Henrik, because he had very unique specs. Um, so we used a lot of our pros to get feedback on the knee block, the strapping. Uh, Freddie Anderson was the first guy who jumped in it, who switched a brand to join Bauer. So he was instrumental in, in building in some of those tweaks. And all of that feedback is actually translated to new designs and new products as well. Because you want to hear what the pros say, but you want to make sure it works for that 12, 13-year-old legit little goalie as well. So where are you on that journey? Are you now at a place where we're stable and you might not see as many big tweaks going forward? Or are you still making leaps and, and, and bounds? I think it depends on category each year is that we try to focus, you know, it, it, like for 2019, we really wanted to focus on durability, yeah. but also it, we called it the glove year. We said, you know what, for 2017, for the 2X Pro, we really want to focus on our glove. So a lot of the innovation and a lot of focus goes into the gloves. So it just depends year to year on what those things are. But I think where we're at now, we always want to innovate. And if there's opportunity to have that wow factor, like we always want it. But that being said, as we start to streamline and really start to get a lot of a lot more goalies, we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're keeping and always getting new goalies as well. Question about sizing. Uh, I Most of us have grown up with numbers, whether it used to be just a number and then it was plus yep. a number plus and Bauer has gone to a different model. Can you walk us through that? So another concept on the 2016 Odin project was to change the thinking on everything. So go back to the well on strapping, uh, sizing was one of those things. And we said, Hey, every brand's measurement is different and everyone's in within range of each other. But our 34 was different than everyone else's and how the thyroid plays. So we wanted to change the concept and say, hey, you should go to a store and get properly fit. The end result and that label may mean you're a Bauer medium or another brand 34. But at the end of the day, it's about reset how you get fit. Go to a place like the hockey shop, get properly fit for your gear and take that preconceived notion of measurement number out of the, out of the equation. Was that tough to, to sell? Like going to a, a small, medium, large? For sure. Especially events like this. Where, not, not mean sell to the consumer, but sell yeah. with, in amongst yourselves as a, as a philosophy. Well, it, as we talked about a little bit, it was about uh, as well as aligning chest protector size with pants. Th you, those mediums don't always align that you, right. those two things. But that's when we started to realize that, you know what, if we can start to marry all of those together, then we think that there's something there and we think it'll catch on. And that's kind of as year four of it. Yeah. Although there have been some conference calls that get a little little heated yeah, and some uh, meetings within the R&D facility where we've broken some sticks over some posts, but 
That's water under the bridge. <laughs> because it's terminology, right? Parents might understand what a small, medium, large means, but yep. the, the athlete's like, no, I need a 30. Exactly. Yeah. Two and, and we created that monster when it went to LDS sizing. The NHL revamped all of those. Well, what did you use? LD? LDS. So limited distance sizing on the NHL rule. Yeah. You created a very specific niche of you wanted to know your exact specifications, whereas Henrik was still size large. So where it comes into play is more we kind of created the monster of this 34 plus 1 plus 2 where it sizes up. But we said, like Spencer said, get it to be simple for mom and dad to help the shopping process and then start that fit from the beginning. Uh, skin. The custom skin yep. that we see, like Henrik had it at the World Series. You guys turned it around like that. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you guys have been asked to put on a pad? Oh, God, um, that's a good question. Um, we have a lot. It's a family show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, I'm actually the brand standard person. So every one that gets sent through is sent through me. So I do the check approval. So nothing's been too crazy. A lot of camo. Yeah. Right, then I send it back telling people that there's no there's no pads in the picture. So you see how long that oh, takes that, for people to realize? Joke? Was that a joke? <laughs> the crowd didn't really pick up yeah. on that. Right over our heads. Maybe his mic's not Yeah, working. maybe mic's not on. But yeah, no, there hasn't been anything too great. We're also very early. Um, some of the biggest adopters that we've seen is definitely Europe is no longer sticking ads on pads that we're working with the teams to provide us the logos. And then they'll put the team sponsorship that they have right on the pad instead of a traditional graphic. So that's been pretty cool to see so far. Well, walk us I want to we just kind of introduced it, but it's called True Design. Yep. It just launched May 17th. Yep. So I'm really bad at math, but that's just like a week and a bit yep. ago. So, so we had it, we wanted to make sure it was ready for the masses to be able to order. So we staffed up with two in-house designers that are constantly focused on just creative designs uh, for the goalie pads. And it's the pros really were our testing ground. And we saw all things from pretty subtle, like Doobie has a nice graphic. He developed himself with our designer. Whereas Henrik's always very fashion forward and kind of a crazier design. Um, so we wanted to perfect that before we brought it to retail. So now Europe's up and running. They're uh, slamming through it and we're getting more and more requests from retail. What's cool is the sky's the limit. You can create any design you want, but it doesn't add weight. doesn't affect the slideability of the rebound pop. Um, it doesn't hinder the performance of the pad. It's almost like building a mask, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the, the, the equivalent. You can add, we've always as goaltenders had that ability to bring our personality to our equipment on yep. the mask. Now you can do it pads and gloves, matching it pretty much, like you exactly. said, anything you want, yep. you can put it on there. Do you guys both play? Yeah, yeah we're, we're men's league superstars. So. so here's the best though. So last, what, this time last year, yep. this time last year, Mark had hip surgery yep. and I actually was playing player like an idiot in October and I blew up my knee. So it's just been an absolute roller coaster of injuries right now. So we're finally both off crutches. Yep. And Mark is the more accomplished. He won his men's league three. What'd you call it? It was a three-peat. It was the triple crown of men's league. <laughs> so the local tournament, the away tournament, and the league itself. Yeah. So we're pretty accomplished. All in central Ontario. The yeah. 519, as yeah. he calls it. So five, the 519. Mark, yeah. 519. Mark's also exceptional at making saves. On the street corner at about 1 a.m. after an <laughs> evening out. There's been some interesting things in actually Vancouver specifically. Yeah. Where we work hard. We have fun at this event. And it's critical everyone gets a chance to try the gear. But the hockey shop guys like to put us through our paces in the evening as well. So what does this event mean to Bauer? Tandy Fest. We call this our Christmas. It's yeah. a chance. A, it's the first time our full fleet is out. We get feedback from the kids. Um, B, it's fun to be here in this atmosphere where I think the hockey shop guys do a good job of bringing yourselves like in goal in 
some mask painters, creating a trade show atmosphere instead of just trying the gear and talking about it. It's I think the guys have elevated the event status. Yeah, and I think for us, it's it's a huge difference maker for mom and dad who go into a store and you know what, goalie equipment's a big ticket item and being able to take a lot of the questions out. So they, they see their son or daughter, go over, go over to the table, try the stuff, get it on ice, and then they come back and they go, mom, absolutely love it. It takes a lot of the... A lot of the angst out of it because dropping two thousand dollars on a on a new set of gear can be a little scary sometimes. So being able to know that they're confident, and they understand the sizing and what colors or the fit and the feel, that they they know that they're definitely getting the proper proper direction. And we've seen you guys. I mean, we see the size of the fleet here. I mean, you know, you guys have kind of driven that volume in terms of bringing that much equipment. Has it been important? Because the product was so different when you went to One S, because it did not look or feel like another pad. To make sure you give people this opportunity to test exactly and as a category we've always led in uh, stick skate and masks so we said if we want to truly get after pads and gloves often we're switching someone out of another brand and it's like buying a car you wouldn't buy a new car with ever test driving it so we want to make sure we have all the sizing make sure no one's disappointed and missing out on a size and on ice advantage is huge when you can try it feel how it seals feel how it moves you feel how it fits, and that's a big advantage for us. I do, I do hide the shipping bills from Mark because the fleet is so big. So I do that. That I tuck away because it is about when it's all said and done, it's about forty-three bags. Yeah, we saw them loading up the yeah. van, the hockey shop, and they said they had more on Instagram. And it was <laughs> like, I mean, I was a little jealous, and I don't get jealous because I've got a lot of gear in my garage. I don't get jealous very often, but I was like, wow, that's a lot yeah. of gear. It's a big investment for you guys. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this guy, Andre Vasilevsky, before we give away a stick. What's it like to work with him? We had, we had, a, I don't, some people may have seen the save we posted on Instagram yeah. yesterday. Like, that guy's just, my, uh, I think my hip came out of its socket watching that save. Athlete wise to watch, he's fantastic, but almost an even better person. Yeah. He's just as much into the gear as the kids are. When we do our photo shoots, he's always checking out other stuff. He came into the office and he saw something sitting there and he's like, a mini stick for his nephew. He's like, so in touch with the gear and so in touch with the game and he he's very competitive but he loves the game so he's he's almost i think for us a huge ambassador for what we want to get to on the ice and off the ice because he's been fantastic he's also he's also got a great sense of humor like he's he's fun to work with that like we did the athlete event so um every summer we bring all of our top key athletes into one arena and then we basically try to do all of our photo shoot for the year and when we pitched the idea for like the philly cheesesteak kind of the my bauer video and he was like all for it he got like right in the kitchen like like we had to change his jersey twice because he kept getting he was going so hard at it he got grease and everything all over his jersey and He's been awesome to work with. Like, he's always open to things. And like the second we're done shooting something, like he, he'll, you'll take a photo. He'll like run to the camera and he'll look at it. And be like, can I send that to my dad? Like immediately. So like, he's been super awesome. And I guess more importantly, he still tolerates you. Is that, uh, do we have an issue with Henrik Lundqvist? I've heard. This is actually my fault. <laughs> yeah, this is my, so, yeah. Henrik is just as good to work with. He's very professional. He has a lot of great ideas about the gear and the marketing. But uh, when Odin first launched, I had a silly idea of doing a Christmas box opening reveal in the room as its first graphic set because we switched the graphic halfway through. So I said, hey, why don't we wrap it with wrapping paper and Spenny, go have him film Henrik shooting the, the gear. So, yeah, we were basically like, oh, it's such a good idea. Um, so two days out, I fly into New York. He has a tough game, gets pulled late in the game. Nothing too crazy. Um, the day before we go to shoot, they play again. They play against New Jersey. Um, they're up 3 nothing, So it's like feeling a little tired, a lot of travel. So I was like, okay, I'll go to bed. 
I wake up the next morning. They got blown out 7-3, and he got pulled again. And now the first, team, time in his career. first time in his career pulled again, and the team scheduled an off day. No players or anyone going to the rink, but he was still going to come in. So it was, it was, it was, it was a. He was he was totally professional about it, but you could tell that he was not overly pumped to see me. So now every time we do a photo shoot, he just kind of is like, "Hi, oh that guy, okay, <laughs> thanks, so excited." You're still here, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mark, Mark asks that all the time. <laughs> Skates, sticks, gloves, pads. What's uh, what's your next priority? Uh, so right now we're finishing up 2020 and we're focused on 2021. We're advanced teams looking very farther out. So um, coming up next is also masks. So we, we have a very important mask business. So we're focusing on that. Always looking at what the next stage of gear is, but uh, looking at masks for the next stage of our innovation plans. Ladies and gentlemen, uh the guys from Bauer, Spencer and Mark. Thanks a lot for having us on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Those two have a good little thing going. Like they play off each other and just carve each other, chirp each other uh, nonstop. Uh, it, it might be worth like one of your little car rides, Woody, to to just hook up with uh, with Mark and Spencer and go for a for a lap uh, uh, around town and just have them have them beak each other. That's that sounds like an idea for Tendy Fest Five. Or, or you could just drive out to uh, the hockey shop with them and, and, and let them beak each other. That's right. It could re- Next time, it'll replace our trip to the hockey shop, which isn't going to happen this week. For those who haven't figured out, this entire podcast is basically the hockey shop's weekly gear segment, especially that Bauer one. So the good news is that's good for them. The entire thing is about Tendy Fest 4 and uh, all our guests from the live podcast at Tendy Fest 4 that was brought to you by the hockey shop. The bad news is, or I guess depends how you look at, no cam this week. No sit down with cam. Bad news for me because I don't get to go into the hockey shop in person to have our weekly gear segment. It's been replaced by Mark and uh, and Spencer. Um, but, you know, hey, it's a week off for cam. So he gets a week off. I don't get to go to the hockey shop. Um, but I think you guys saw in person this week why I go to the hockey shop, Source for Sports in Surrey, why so many goalies around the entire lower mainland go to the hockey shop, Source for Sports in Surrey. Uh, what you saw at Tendy Fest 4 is very representative of what they're all about. Um, the knowledge that they have to coordinate an event like this and make sure that every goaltending need is taken care of. And as much as we talked about the big names and the big brands, and yes, they have all that, uh, we saw the skate sharpening and profiling specialist uh, telling goaltenders, uh, informing goaltenders about that. We saw the mask painting. Uh, we Mark Dekinich is going to be on the podcast in there talking about training and goalie-specific training. Like They really do make it a big event, and they show just how much they understand the position, um, gear, and beyond. And that's why I shop at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, and that's why you should st- shop at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, I love the event. Love Tendy Fest because it gives goalies, as we he- we've heard from these guys, a chance to get out there and test all this new gear. Um, it's only once a year. You, If you missed it, you still have the opportunity to tap into their expertise anytime uh, at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports or thehockeyshop.com. Uh, an admission by me, uh, Cam is more normal than I thought, than I was expecting. Like he's, what about the head? Uh, what about the head size? Uh, the head, the head's the head's bigger. I, I I could see where where it's grown a little bit. 
there's a couple of stretch marks on the side where since he's been started to do the uh, the interviews, it's 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 inflated. Uh, the uh, see, the the hissing that you'll sound every now and then or hear every now and then during these uh, these interviews from the uh, the live podcast was from the airbrush uh, painter behind us. It wasn't from Cam's head deflating uh, <laughs> because he wasn't on the stage. Uh, also, also, also want to make that clear. Uh, I, I really wish people could see Hutch's head during the course of these conversations too, his face, because you've got some of the greatest reactions of all time. You, you're a terrible poker player. A terrible poker player. Well, we haven't tried yet. Uh, but we are going to get you in on this thing. Uh, oh, before yeah, I, I missed further, that one too, because they had four yeah. headsets, so I respectfully bowed out of it. Let you guys do and, the chat, because I'd already spoken about her. Talk to uh, Spencer and Mark about the uh, the skins on the on the pads and what you can what you can make your pads look like, uh, and and that was a great comparison and analogy, Woody, about the masks. Like you used to be that used to be what you would do, and now you've got so much more room to really uh, personalize your look uh, as a goaltender. But what would you guys put on your pads? Because we were very familiar with. Our mask themes. Mine's always a, a mallard with with different uh, iterations of it. And uh, Woody, uh, you have uh, Woody on the chin and Woody and Hutch on, well, on I got, the chin. Yeah, but, and I got I got Woody. I got old school Woody Woodpecker on my old one too as well. Like oh, yeah, good. yeah, wearing vintage. I think one side is him wearing a vin- set of vintage gear, and the other side is in the Jacques Plant pose with the black eye and the bloody nose. So nice. Yeah, yeah we have a little fun with so, that one. So what so do what I get? You, I get a piece of what, furniture on my mask. <laughs> That or a sieve. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what would you put on your on your on your front of your pads if if you guys uh, rolled out a new set of Bauer? I think it would have to be a the two X Pro giant in goal magazine logo for starters. But uh, oh, I, for sure. Wow. Honestly, like think about it. Like I have thought about it. Like would I? You know, I've played for the same beer league team for a number of years. We have Seahawks themed uniforms, and they're pretty tight. Like if I do say so myself, and. Full shout out. We never give, we never talk about this with the hockey shop source for sports, but they do team gear as well. And they're the ones that handled uh, our Seahawks esque uh, hockey jerseys and they just killed it. So, yeah, uh, they are good. Yeah, I've f- seen them. They are good. For all your needs for that, you can get that from the hockey shop too. So, shameless plug that wasn't planned. Um, I'd be tempted to match that. I mean, obviously, I'm in Vancouver. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. Love the green, like, love, you know, sort of that, that bright, almost neon green. That would be tempting, but like, you know, beer league teams don't last forever. Uh, even if I've played on it for 10 years, eventually they're going to get tired of my act and find a younger, actual capable goaltender to replace me. So, you know, I, it's tough. The one thing I'd be tempted to do, and we saw it there on site, uh, Jiggy set, Mark Jignac set, the vintage retro. Um, yeah. We saw uh, Elvis Merzlekens with something similar. As a matter of fact, there might be a tie-in between Jiggy set and Merzlekens I saw somewhere. So... Um, I'd be, I'd be tempted on the retro, but I'd probably somehow try and go personal touch. I'm not doing the giant Woody Woodpecker like my mask, but, um, somehow, yeah, it's, it, it would be fun. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You asked that question. I never thought about it before, but, uh, I, I have to be honest. The first time I saw some images of retro gear, uh, maybe it was Freddie Anderson's. I thought, man, they really hadn't hit the mark. And then I saw this stuff in person at Tendy Fest and I actually think they really nailed it. It's uh, it's one case where in-person really uh, outstrips what you can see in a photo. I loved it. So I'd have to say I've got Ken Dryden on the side of my helmet, so maybe I would uh, 
see if I could replicate the old uh, Ken Dryden Bordon pads that I always wanted when I was a kid. You know what I was thinking is is just putting my skinny little pale legs on there. <laughs> have, these, have them coming down and make it look like they're just shooting on, on in Hawaiian with shorts. The, with the, yeah, with the with the legs instead of uh, instead of them looking like like pads, these little bow twigs. So it's an expensive uh, experiment. I got to be honest, yeah. like for me, that would like that would be too many flashbacks to little league because I I, te- <laughs> I tend to run a little pale, and one of our little league all star yeah. teams had the white pants with the stripes. And like all the kids were like, Woodley, why don't you put on some pants? <laughs> so I, I that that's uh, like I clearly that 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 stung, and I'm a little scarred by it. So I wouldn't be able to go that road there. Too many bad memories. Uh, no limit. Well, it has to be uh, acceptable. P- well, PG basically, uh, but uh, but very uh, very little limits when it, when you look at your skin on the uh, on the two X Pro and the Bauer line. Uh, one more segment to come here from the Ingoal Radio podcast and the live podcast at Tenny Fest, and we were happy to be joined by uh, a guy that played a decade pro, a uh, guy from uh, from the Vancouver area, and uh, is embarking on a second career. And Hutch, I'm pl- pleased to uh, announce that you joined us for this one. Oh, Our thanks for letting me join today. Yeah, yeah, we uh, nice we thought we'd roll it out. And and I thought you brought some some really cool, uh, unique uh, unique thoughts to this uh, this conversation with uh, former pro goaltender, now trainer, Mark Dekinich. On the stage uh, here at the Ingle Radio Podcast uh, Live Podcast Edition with Millard, Woody, and Hutch and Mark Dekinich. I always wanted to call you Dekinich. Decanage. How many people like screw up your name? Plenty. Plenty. Yeah. What's the awesome. worst incarnation announcement that you've heard? Oh, geez. The I don't KHL? Know. No, they were pretty good over there because I, I played in Croatia and it's a Croatian name, so yeah. they were good. Uh, it does look weird when it's in Cyrillic, but um, I don't know. People adding a, a V in there, Dekanovic yeah. and stuff like that. Um, Sounded like it needed one. Yeah, your uh, your career. Take us through your Vancouver guy, but uh, take us through your journey. Born and raised in North Van. Um, played my minor hockey at Burnaby Winter Club. Um, won the Western Canadian Championships uh, as a 15 year old in Bantam, and then walked on to the Coquitlam Express when I was 16. Made the team. Spent two seasons there. Uh, my second year, early on, I ended up getting a full ride scholarship to Colgate University where I went and played for four years, uh, graduated in 2008. But during my second season, my sophomore year there, I uh, ended up getting drafted by the Nashville Predators. And once I graduated in 2008, it turned pro. What was, uh, how would you sum up your pro career? Long. Yeah? <laughs> no, I, I ended up playing 10 years uh, in a lot of different places. Uh logged thousands and thousands of miles and hours on buses planes cars all that stuff are you a goalie nerd or are you a yeah yeah i think most of us are uh always loved equipment loved gear loved designing my masks i'd always try to um sometimes i'd even send in my own drawings to the painter for my for my masks because i was so particular about what What i was on what was your um i had a long time uh a lot of my career, I had Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory, the cartoon oh, yeah. on there. So my nickname's Dex. Um, and later on, just went into you know crazy stuff. The last mask I wore had uh, it was one of those like mask on a mask. 
So like an old school nice. goalie nice. mask on with a beard coming out the bottom right that up. was painted on the mask. And then my real beard hung out from my great. mask also. So uh, that was probably my favorite nice. shirt lid that I wore. And as a gear guy, you were always a Brian's guy. So you had, or not always, always a Vaughn guy. guy and then a Brian's guy late. Yeah. So you had some pretty funky designs towards the end. Yeah. Of- yeah. Uh, played for a couple teams with really cool color schemes. So that was fun. Uh, like when I was in Milwaukee, getting that baby blue, black and ba- baby blue, an awesome combo. Um, and then, yeah, moving to Brian's the last couple seasons of my career, they're able to do anything. So had a lot of fun designing that stuff. Nice. What are the lessons from the from a 10-year pro career as you look back? If you're uh, talking to a young goaltender, you got to have age fun. advice. You got to have fun. Um, even though it's our job, a lot of us tend to get wrapped up in... Uh, you know, getting stressed out about your job and all that type of stuff. But if you're not having fun, it's not worth it anymore. So trying to sit back sometimes and enjoy the game itself and, and thinking about that we're playing a sport for a job and that's uh, something pretty special. So having fun all the time, whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, I think it's the most important thing when it comes to sports in general. Came to mind, as you said, you played for the Burnaby Winter Club and no secret that they've got powerful teams most years. If you got a young goaltender, where do you want him to play? On that team that's going to win so many games or on the team that's taking 60 shots a night? Somewhere in between? We're talking about my own kids? If, yeah, if your own kids are goaltenders. Where I'll tell them to uh, play golf instead. <laughs> Good answer. No, uh, I think it's tough because you, you, want, you want your children to develop and they need to sometimes struggle with that. And if you're, if you're on a team that you see 10 shots a night and get a shutout every game, you're not really going to face much adversity, right? And there's no time to learn and adapt. So um, I think as kids age and they like their teams will sort of cycle, whether they're good or bad, I think that's important. It's just being on a broad range of uh, good or bad teams. You've had uh, a lot of different coaching influences. I know locally during your career, you worked with Sean Murray. You mentioned being drafted by the Nashville Predators. Of course, that meant time with Mitch Korn. I don't know if you'll go full Mike McKenna for us and do a Mitch Korn impersonation <laughs> like he did. That can be a dangerous thing. What are some of the other, what was it like working with Mitch Korn? And what are some of the influences on your career? I know Scott Murray, when you were with Hershey, uh, now the goalie coach for the Washington Capitals, was a big influence. Some of the different guys over the years, who stands out? Yeah, uh, obviously Mitch. He uh, and I started off my pro career working with Mitch in Nashville. Um, he's a phenomenal man. Just the way he's able to develop relationship with his goalies, I think, is the most important thing. Uh, and it's something that you'll find with all successful goalie coaches, especially at that level, is that it's not always about the technical aspects of the game. It's developing relationships with your players, checking in with them, how are they doing, stuff like that. Um, during that same time period, I got to work with Mike Valley, my first year pro in Milwaukee. Mike Valley was a guy. Mike Valley was then in Dallas for the last however many years. Um, ben Vanderklok, also when I was with Nashville, my second and third year in Milwaukee, worked with him. Now he's the head coach or head goalie coach for the Preds. Um, spent a year in Columbus. I got to work with Ian Clark. Um, ended up being hurt most of that year. So basically, I got bagged by Ian Clark for a whole year. <laughs> Uh, but again, that's another huge name. Uh, we have him here now in Vancouver. Um, and then again, going, going on, you mentioned Scott Murray when I was with, uh, in the Washington's organization, uh, you know, awesome guy, he's head guy in Washington now, um, got to work with that bald man over there, Brady Robinson, when I was in, uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms organization. So he's Philly's assistant guy. Um, 
tried to, over the course of my career, just pick up as much as possible from each one. Everyone's good for uh, at least some small piece of information. So trying to pick up little pieces from everybody that I interacted with. Now, retired last year. So this is your first year not playing. Yep. All those goalie coaches that you work with over the years, you didn't decide to follow in their footsteps. You've decided to go a different route. You're now training young goaltenders. Why that path? What about your career took you in that path? And, and what are you looking forward to? What are you enjoying about it now? Uh, well, one, I just I love building awareness about um, things we can do to make your sport easier or better. Uh, and I think I, I built a lot of my career based on my physical abilities that I trained really hard for outside of the rink. Um, I sort of made a name for myself in that way as I'd, I'd be first in fitness testing every training camp I went to. And and at the time, it was just shocking for a goalie to destroy players on some of this stuff. And and I was that guy. So I want to try to help help kids develop that instinct and, and work ethic off the ice. It's not always what we do on the ice, but what we do off the ice that can help keep us healthier for longer, uh, improve performance, all that type of stuff. And also just get yourself noticed. We've heard a lot. We've talked a lot about injuries and injury prevention. I know you also know Stefan Segalet as well. Um, hips are a big topic of discussion. How much of what you do, especially with young kids, is preventative in terms of being in shape to limit your exposure to some of those injuries that are caused by repetition? Yeah, so uh, obviously hockey and specifically being a goalie, the physical demands of it are almost counterintuitive to everything else that we do as humans so like squatting lunging hinging stuff like that we don't see it in hockey all we see is this gross movement of internal hip rotation and like lots of stress on knees and ankles so um helping to get kids out of always making that butterfly pattern when they're doing other things i think is important so building up strength around the hip uh in general uh, but then also training in those sort of not ideal positions that we have to put ourselves in in goalies to create some more strength and resilience resiliency in those tissues. And what have you done? Like done some coursework, done some like, so you get certifications. It's not just, Hey, I played, I trained, I was in good shape. I'm going to train goalies. You've done some work to make sure you're prepared for this. Yeah. I definitely have the education for it. Um, is that from Colgate? Is that all? No, no, that's a, that's done? a liberal arts school. So okay. I was a history major in school. Okay. So lots of reading and writing, but I think that, that, <laughs> that doesn't that's, help the goal. Uh, that bodes, bodes well for me now. And all I read is strength conditioning textbooks, yeah. but, um, yeah, so I'm a certified uh, personal trainer through the national Academy of sports medicine. Um, I also just recently took the functional range conditioning, uh, system certification so i'm a certified mobility specialist for them um that course is really eye-opening in the way that they look at the human body and how our joints need to be able to move and uh you know it's true what they say about if you don't use it you lose it so that's something that i try to pride myself on and get my athletes to do every day is take their joints through full range of motion every single day to help maintain where they're at and then we'll do some extra specific work to build up some more strength in those range of motion that we need playing hockey I'm all about the takeaways. So, so what's the takeaway for a coach or a parent, uh, especially from a goalie-specific standpoint? I mean, quite often we see minor hockey coaches, the whole team has to do the same thing. It's not necessarily the best thing anyway. Uh, what could they be doing to, to think about their goaltenders a little bit better? Yeah, I think the, obviously there's a little bit extra stress on the specificity of training for goalies. Um, being strong in the positions that we need to create on the ice, super important. Um, but also, you get kids that have 
only played goalie their whole life, they're going to be lacking in some of those other fundamental movement skills, uh, like I talked about before, squatting, hinging, stuff like that. So doing work off ice can help bridge the gap and fill some of those buckets that they don't necessarily get playing hockey. But I think it's important for athletic development in general, um, and then which is going to transfer to improved performance on the ice. Uh, question that we had in listener uh, emails was, best way to warm up if you're a beer leaguer you stand in there and take the five shots and three of them are coming at one time and try to get a feel for the puck that kind of thing or do you just go off to the side what would you what would i do i drink five beers first nice and then uh, lube it up from the inside no we got I someone in our most finest beer league tendies right here so you can answer <laughs> it to them uh i would ensure that i'm doing something before i even get on the ice to warm my body up right so you want to increase your heart rate increase your core temperature um and then prep your nervous system for playing a sport. So, um, you know, some rapid feet on the ground, trying to excite your nervous system so you're prepared for the explosive movements that we need to do. And then uh, once we get on the ice, me personally, if I had three shots coming at the same time, I'd just get off to the side and <laughs> do my own warm-up and visualize it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or shoot pucks back at the players. Yeah. So one, <laughs> one of those two things. But I think doing stuff before you get on the ice – is needs to be part of a warm-up okay. uh, for any level, because especially if you're playing beer league, you don't want to get hurt and not be able to go to work because you got hurt playing beer league hockey, right? So you got to prepare yourself for that. Uh, and then once you're warm, you get on the ice, do your thing. If you want to take shots, great. I wouldn't take more than one puck at a time. So just to be clear for somebody who may or may not be on this stage, getting your heart rate up and warming up your body Drinking a Red Bull while turning on the heated seats on the way to the rink isn't enough for that? That's a good start. The, the heated seats are a great start. Uh, That's why you needed the new car. Now the, new car the new car has got a massager built into yeah, the there seats. You go, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's, my, you're rolling that's out, my, so. my dynamic warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dynamic. You're not moving, but the seat's moving. Exactly. Yeah. What's, uh, <laughs> explain the beard. The beard. I've had this beard now for over five years. Um... I used to have really long flow when I was in university and loved it, but uh, I was starting to go bald at like 21, 22. And uh, after my wife saw some of our wedding pictures of us cutting the cake and you can see my skull through my hair, uh, it was time to cut it short. So I ended up sh uh, shaving it. And then I was like, I can't have any good hairstyle, so I'm just going to grow a massive beard. And I love it. It sort of became my thing. And um uh, Got to keep it now because I'll scare my kids if I shave it off. So you're <laughs> suggesting wives like it if you're going bald on top, if you grow a nice long beard? 100%. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> Not getting a lot of support from the back of the room there, Hutch. <laughs> uh, this has been fun. We'll get you back on the yeah, podcast yeah, uh, awesome. again. But uh, good luck with everything. Thanks, hey, where can people find you? For, especially a lot of audience in the Vancouver area for the, for the off-ice off training for both. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Deck Show. That's my personal account. Um, my website for my training business, www.dexshowhighperformance.com. Um, so D-E-X, showhighperformance.com. Perfect. We'll get some stuff on social media up there for you, too. Thanks for taking the time, Mark. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Difficult to describe uh, the beard I'm talking about from, from Mark, but uh, it, it's... Uh, it's Brent Burns, Joe Thornton, right, right in that league. I mean, it is, it is massive. It is mangy. It is 
it's work. Uh, I don't know how how you ever play with it. Get get your chin in there. I, I don't know what I should ask him whether he used a sling or not. But uh, but that thing's uh, that thing's nasty, Hutch. It's and you a, want oh, you, they, and you want one but, of those? But not nasty, but like he keeps it tight though, right? Like I was going to say it it's summertime, pretty. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's well cared for. Yeah, it's more in the it's more Joe Thornton than Brent Burns. I think Burns is a little yeah, sort of mangy yeah. wild dog type thing. And yeah. Dex keeps his that's t- he keeps it tight, man. You see on his Instagram, like there's a lot of product in that thing. He keeps her smooth and clean. That's a pro. That's a project. That's a project. And Hutch, you want one? Well, I mean, you just saw that I got excited during the podcast when I heard why he grew the beard, and of course, my wife was uh, manning the the in goal booth, uh, looking straight at us as I looked for approval to grow the large mangy beard, and uh, was shot down very quickly. So. I won't be uh, making up for my lack of head hair with a uh, with some facial hair. And I couldn't grow. And we, I couldn't grow a beard like that. So I'll just be content <laughs> with the fact I have a full head of hair on top. Sorry, Hutch. No, there's there's no way. I mean, I've gone a couple of months, and it's not even close. Oh, scr- uh, scraggly, to, I, sparse, like just yeah, embarrassing if I try. Embarrassing. Uh, uh, thanks to Jill too uh, for for helping us out uh, when we had to jump on the stage. Absolutely. The one or. The one or two times that we decided to let Hutch did up you, there and did uh, you guys call her mom? Join us. Did you guys call her mom? Uh, no, 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 no. We wouldn't uh, wouldn't dare do that. But uh, <laughs> but we but we will will refer to you as as pops. Hey, there was a, there was a couple of times where it was hard to concentrate while we were on the stage doing the uh, the live podcast because people are coming and going with all kinds of gear. And do you remember Hutch? It was right in the middle of the uh, Deckenich interview. Somebody walked by with a set of Eflex four pads. Oh, and they were, I mean, they were gorgeous. They, and, and you and I were looking at each other going, those are sweet. And I totally f- forgot. Uh, Deckenich st- stopped talking. And I thought, oh, wh- where are we going from <laughs> here? Because I was, I was paying more attention to the, the CCM pads that were going by. Yeah. It's not the first time we've seen some Eflex fours, but done up in that beautiful blue and orange, it was, uh, they were, a thing of beauty you know you're a goalie geek when when yeah could have stopped the whole show there i i know and it was uh but there is that was that was one of the cool things i mean ccm had had this wild uh array of of patterns and and color schemes and it just it was like walking around it was it was like walking around a showroom yeah and i think like we talked about the bauer having the huge demo fleet they set the standard ccm has done a really nice job of following it um you know making sure that there's enough gear there for everybody to try and and obviously a big push for them was the skates you saw it there uh they gave away a set of the ftt ft2 i can never say it the jet speed ft2 skates uh with a custom fitting uh, they had the 3D imaging out there to do the custom, you know, custom scan so you can get your custom molded feet, which makes a nice segue uh, for us at Ingol Mag. Make sure you check out the website and the social next week. This week into next week as we'll, uh, we'll have a, a closer look at the process and the skate itself as, uh, as our reviews continue to run hot and heavy at IngolMag.com. And and our friend, you guys know her uh, a lot better than I do. But one of the cool things uh, got to hang out with uh, Kaylee uh, from CCM, and that that was cool. I mean, she's a big part of the CCM goal line, and she was down. Like, this is a person high high up in CCM and goal, and she's down there fitting people and 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 like in the trenches with everybody. Yeah, no, that was that was really cool to see. And actually, I think it kind of it kind of has a nice carryover from our visit to CCM, right, Hutch? We talked about having been there in Montreal with them last week and how we all think of them as this big, huge company, and yet the goalie department's quite small, 
and it's really got a family feel to it. And you saw that with Kaylee on site. The only downside was we didn't get to talk to her too much because she was so busy, hands-on, talking to goalies about how to properly fit and how to properly size their gear and making sure they were out there in stuff that fit them and making sure the turnover was happening as all these goalies lined up to get their gear. She was helping, you know, get them through that process and out on the ice. So, you know, again, just another another reminder of uh, the type of company they are too. All hands on deck. And there's Alex all just standing there answering questions. Guy that's played in the NHL for years and, and he's just, just hanging out and he's, He's going to join us next week, right? Our f- yeah, and that'll be a continuation. We had so many good yeah. guests, we had to break it into two parts. A continuation of the Tendy Fest 4 in goal magazine radio podcast presentation part two next week <laughs> with Alex J. Ald and and Pete Smith from Warrior. Some good stories yeah, there. That was uh that was a really fascinating uh conversation uh for me because uh I, I follow Pete uh, Pete forever. Uh just if people want to get in touch with us, uh Hutch, it was great to meet all our listeners and uh and and create some some new relationships uh through Tendy Fest uh, twenty nineteen and and get in touch and find out what people are liking about the podcast, some things that uh that they uh that they might want to hear from uh or about in the future. So those that weren't able to get to Tendy Fest can get in touch with us. How? Uh, well, we've had lots of conversations since with people uh, on social, so you can hit us up on the DMs on uh, Instagram at Ingol Mag or Twitter at Ingol Media, and uh, of course, podcast at IngolMag.com. That's podcast at IngolMag.com. Somebody stopped by the booth and said, "Who's the guy that does those uh, deep big?" They did not solid radio voice uh, ads about the uh, the contact information, and I, so I pointed to to Hutch, and they said, "Geez, I thought he'd be bigger." <laughs> he's big. <laughs> he's just not tall. Uh, guys, uh, thanks for that. Look forward to uh, next week and part two from from Tendy Fest. It was a it was a fabulous uh, weekend to spend with you guys. We got to uh, to catch up and do some really uh, cool brainstorming and just chatting about about goaltending. Uh, seeing Woody in the middle of a restaurant uh, demonstrating puck tracking was was one of the highlights. I can't believe he didn't send a tray of beer flying. Not the uh, first time that. either. Not the first time either. We're going to have a whole series of Woody on his knees in the restaurant demoing goalie technique. And I I flew back and went basically right from the airport to my men's league game and was had all these thoughts flying around in my head about puck tracking and uh, was was fueled, motivated by by all the gear and I went out there and and I was terrible uh, because Woody Woody had me so messed up uh, trying to trying to take all this this into my head and and, and translate it onto the ice. So I blame you and, for my my six five loss. And right, absolutely right there is the answer. Every time someone asks me, "Hey, have you ever thought about goalie coaching?" Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the uh, it's the uh, age old uh, philosophy that goalie coaches uh, tell us all the time: do your work, put your effort in. And then when it times uh, comes time to perform, like this podcast, and like uh, when you step on the ice to play a game, don't think. And we're trying to uh, we're trying to follow through on that, especially when we perform on the podcast. Uh, for 
the likes of uh, the guys at uh, at Bauer, Spencer and Mark, uh, Mark Dekinich and Tristan Jari, along with Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. And we love to hear your thoughts about what you saw, you heard, and what you'd like to see again from Tendy Fest next year.